0: I am so thankful that God is the God of the new, aren't you? I'm glad he's the God of new beginnings, fresh starts. I'm glad that he's the God of the new, not just one time a year, but every single morning, every single day, all throughout the day, every minute, he's the God of the new. I'm so thankful for that. But you know, even... Good new things can still be scary sometimes. You know, new new can be scary. New can be intimidating. New can be overwhelming. You know, you think of moving to a new location, learning a whole new area, learning a new culture. We've done that a few times. It's hard. If you've done that, you know that it is too. You, you have a new job. You're learning new responsibilities new expectations, a new culture even within that job situation. You have a new church. That's intimidating. These are all good things, but, but even in the good things of the new, it can be scary. It can be overwhelming. We just celebrated new life this morning with our, our dear brother Chris. And as great as his new life in Christ is for him, and it is great, I mean, he just... He talks about Jesus and he just starts smiling from ear to ear. But as great as that is, he would be the first to tell you that it can still be a little overwhelming, as he looks at, at, at all the, the studying that he's doing and, and trying to understand what it means now to walk with Christ and digging deep. and you know, there, there's a lot there. There's a lot to the Christian life. And so even that sometimes can be overwhelming. So that's why I'm thankful that God is not just the God of the new. I'm thankful that he's also the God who goes before. Because God is the God who goes before you. And God is the God who goes before me. And he goes before us in all situations, in every circumstance. Everything that we face. All that is before us that we just don't know. Like a new year. Because whether you land on the side of being excited about the new year, or you land on the side of, of saying, Oh no, what's going to happen this year? This, this year was so rough, what's, what's it going to be like now? Whether you land on either side of that perspective, one thing is certain. None of us can be certain about how the year is going to go. We don't know. We don't know how the year is going to progress. For many, 2016... It was a tough, tough, tough year. Many of you here, that's true of you. You had the loss of a job. You had the loss of expected finances. You had the loss of a loved one. Many of you had that happen. And it's hard, it's painful. And you look at 2017 and you think, how am I going to make it? How am I going to get through this year without that job, without that family member, without this or that? Just fill in the blank. Maybe that's you. God is going before you in 2017. He's already ahead of you in it. Maybe you're excited about the year. You're you're like, all right, clean clean slate, fresh start. I'm ready. Bring it on. That's today. What about tomorrow? Tomorrow. When something that you didn't expect at all happens, then what? God is before you. God's already there. He's already ahead of you. God is the God who goes before. So what we need, we need that kind of God. God. We need that assurance that no matter what we face, no matter what we experience, no matter what happens along the way, no matter what circumstance or scenario that is before us, we can rest assured that there is a good, good Father long ahead of us in that. We need that assurance. We need that encouragement and that comfort, and what an encouragement and a comfort it is. We see a beautiful picture of the truth that God is a God who goes before us, In the nation of Israel, it's a real-life example of how powerful this truth is and how constant this truth is. I want you to to turn either in your physical Bible or or look on your screen. It's also going to be on the big screen for you. But in Exodus chapter 13, the nation of Israel has finally, finally been released from their 400 years of slavery under the, the cruel pharaohs of Egypt. They finally have been given permission to go. They've been set free. Exodus 13, we're going to begin verses 4 and 5. So they've, they've exited Egypt. Pharaoh has finally said, go. I, I don't want you here anymore. All the plagues have happened. He lost his firstborn son. So did all of Egypt. God pronounced judgment on all the false gods of Egypt and on Pharaoh. Pharaoh. And he set his people free in amazing, miraculous, powerful fashion. Now they're on their way out. They're they're going. They've left Egypt. Verse 4 says this. On this day in early spring, in the month of Abib, you have been set free. You must celebrate this event in this month each year after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Amorites. Hivites and Jebusites. He swore to your ancestors that he would give you this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, bountiful, full of provision, full of blessing, full of supply. He's promised that this would happen. He swore to your ancestors, you would inherit this new land. And it's finally happened. You're free. Exciting, right? Exciting. I mean they were just in Egypt for 400 years crying out to God, hear us, rescue us, deliver us, please. Nothing happened. Nothing came. Just more slavery, more bondage, more cruelty, more despair, more hopelessness. Can you relate? Many of you can. You can relate to those feelings. But now they're finally free. It's done. It's over. It's exciting. But you know what? It had to, it must have also been scary for them. I mean, think about it. They had been slaves in Egypt for four generations. Slavery and bondage and being slaves is truly all they had known for centuries. It had become a way of life. It had become their identity. Their identity. So now all of a sudden, that's changed. So the question is, what do we do now? What, what are we supposed to do with our life? And I mean, our life, our life, that's, that's, even that is a new concept. Because before, it, it, we didn't have anything, let alone the, the possession of even our own welfare. It, it was all about the Egyptian masters. You guys um, have all, I would think, all of you have seen Finding Nemo, the first movie, you know, Finding Nemo, the fish, right? If you haven't seen it, shame on you. You can hardly be American and not, not have seen that. Go see it today if you haven't. But there's the scene at the end, at the end of the movie of Finding Nemo, the, the fish in the tank in the, in the little, little uh, aquarium that little Nemo ends up in, in Sydney, he meets these fish that are in this dentist office. And and the, the fish that are in this little aquarium, their entire ambition every day is to escape, to get out of the aquarium. And they always have these these plans to, to how to do that. Well, finally the plan happens and it works. They they, they cause all this commotion in the dentist office and they end up getting free. Well, after the main story has ended and kind of the credits are rolling, you see this, this little picture come up. It's this little image uh, that's playing at the end. And you have all the fish that were in the aquarium, they're floating in the, in the regular ocean. right? And they're all excited. They're happy. They're like, we did it! We're finally free! We're in the ocean! And they're like, woohoo! But they're in these little bags still. Like the pet store bags, you know? And one of the fish says, now what? And it's like, huh, didn't really think this through. What do we do now? We're out of the aquarium. We're in the ocean. Many of them, though, of those fish had never been in the open ocean. They didn't know what to do with that. They didn't know how to be free fish. Right? So that's how it must have been for the nation of Israel. Think about it. 400 years of being told what to do, when to do it, how to do it. 400 years of saying... You don't have an identity other than that of our slave. It had to be incredibly overwhelming. Exciting, yes, but unknown, uncertain. What do we do now? What's ahead for us? Well, I want you to to look down at verse 17 with that in mind, that uncertainty that anxiety that had to be there on the nation of Israel's part look at verse 17 when pharaoh finally let the people go god did not god did not lead them along the main road that runs through philistine territory even though even though that was the shortest route to the promised land Now that seems awfully strange to our reading, doesn't it? To our hearing. I mean, they've been in all this slavery for 400 years. They've been promised a deliverer. They've been promised the promised land. They've been promised a new life. It finally happens. You'd think that God would just want to get them there as soon as possible. And certainly that's what I would be thinking if I were them. I'd be thinking, all right, let's just get there. Give me the shortest route. I don't want to see the scenic route. I want to just be there. That's how I am with all my trips. Maybe you're the the type that likes to take the long way around to get somewhere and you like that scenic route stuff. Blah! My dad, whenever we travel with him, he always is the one that wants to pick the the route that's kind of off the beaten path. He wants to explore. Right? Maybe that's some of you. Good for you. Okay? Just keep me on the interstate. Keep me within pull-off distance of every Starbucks at all times, okay? I just want to be on that, that safe, smooth, straight stretch, and I want to get there as soon as humanly possible. That's, I'm, I'm thinking that's how many, if not all, of the children of Israel would have, would have felt, you know, hey, we've been in Egypt a long time, we're, we're done with that, just get us to the promised land, get us there now, we want to be there yesterday, right? And, and there was this really short way of, of getting there. I mean, they would have been there in no time at all. It's just a, basically a straight stretch. But that's not what God did. He did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, but that would get them quickly to the promised land. He didn't do that. Why? What was his purpose in that? Well, thankfully, the Word of God tells us. Look at what it says. Still in verse 17. Verse 17. God said, here's the reason that he did that. If the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Now, why would God have said that? Why was he aware of that? Well, first of all, because he's God. But secondly, remember, they were what? What, what were they for 400 years? Slaves. Slaves. They weren't soldiers. They hadn't had to fight any battles. And they didn't know how to fight at all. They were slaves. That's all they knew how to be. So God knew that if he led them straight through this area of the Philistines, which were in that day a formidable, formidable foe, militant people, had been used to fighting and being warriors all their life. Just as Israel had been used to nothing but slavery, the Philistines had been used to being nothing but warriors. And it would have been absolutely overwhelming to the nation of Israel. Newly freed slaves. God is a good, good father. God is a good, good father. He knew exactly what his people needed, he knew exactly what was best for them, how to prepare them for what they would face. In the future, yeah, they, they, would be, they would be fighting pretty quickly. They'd be used to becoming warriors fairly quickly, but now is not the time. He needed to work with them. He needed to, to have them grow. He needed to have them experience things. He needed them to start off small. He needed to ga- have them gain experience, not just be thrust right into it. You see, my friend, God knows you perfectly. God knows you perfectly. He knows exactly what you need all the time. He knows who you are. He knows how you are. He knows what works for you, what doesn't. He's designed you. So he knows exactly what you need in every situation. He's not going to just thrust you into something that's going to just totally overwhelm you. That doesn't mean he's not going to ever give you hard things. That doesn't mean he's not ever going to lead you into a hard path or a hard situation. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is God is not ever going to bring something into your life that's going to absolutely just crush you and destroy you. It's not God's way. He's a perfect, perfect God and a perfect, perfect Father. Maybe you're here today and you've been on the scenic route for quite a while. At least it feels that way. You know, like you know, you know what God has promised. You, you read in his word all the time of, of his goodness and his grace and, and the plans that he has for you. And, and you know that and you believe that, but, but it doesn't seem to be connecting with real life for you. Maybe that's you today. If that's not you today, that certainly has been you at some point, I know. And in those times, it's very easy to say, God, what are you doing? Why? Why are you putting me through this? Why are you doing this to me? I mean, the promised land is right over there. Why can't I get to it? Why do you keep having me go around this, this scenic route? The nation of Israel may have possibly asked the same thing, but the answer would have been the same as it is for us. Because God knows perfectly. God knows perfectly. He knows what is best for you and for me, and at all times. He knows what we need. And he knows the best way of getting us what we need. It may not always be what we would do, or what we would like, but in the end, it's always going to be exactly what we needed. Because he's a good, good father. Look at verse 18. So, because of that... God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. This was training camp. This was the training grounds for Israel. This is where he was going to give them a new identity as his chosen people. This is where he was going to raise them up and train them up for battle to teach them how they can be prepared to fight all the hosts that were going to be around them. This is preparing them to take the promised land, which was his promise. But God needed to do some work in them and some work on them before he would actually do any work through them. And the same is true for you and me. We constantly need to be open for God to do whatever he knows is needed to make us what he wants us to be, to make us that perfect image that he has in mind for us, which is the image of his son. He's going to do whatever it takes if we will let him to make us that beautiful, glorious likeness of Jesus Christ. That is His will for every believer. If you're in Christ today, God's will for you, His overall will for you, is is actually very clear and it's very plain. It's that you would be like Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that's what He has prepared for you before the foundation of the world, that you would be like His Son. And my friends, that is very often, very, very often not a comfortable process. But it's a needed process. With a good outcome. So, that's what we see going on here in verse 18. Verse 19, the text read, reads, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you. See the faith of Joseph? God will certainly come to help you. When he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. He knew God would come through no matter what lay in store for them, no matter what darkness was going to come their way. He knew God would always come to the aid of Israel. He knew he would always rescue them. And he said, hey, I know God's going to come through for you. When he does, take my bones out of here and bring them back with you. Take them to the promised land. Verse 20 the Israelites left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And listen to this, don't miss this. Get this. Verse 21. The Lord, that's Yahweh, God Almighty, Jehovah, the Lord went ahead of them. Isn't that great? The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud. And he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. That shows us, church, that communicates to us that God always provides exactly what is needed. At all times. As circumstances and situations change in your life, you can rest assured if you are in Christ, you will have a faithful God always giving you what you need for every circumstance, for every situation that he has led you through. God didn't just say you can only travel by day. That's only, The only thing I'm going to provide is that pillar of cloud. You can only travel by day. No, he said you're going to be able to travel by day and by night because in both situations I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to be providing exactly what you need. At nighttime, you're going to have a light to guide you. During the day, you're going to have a a pillar of cloud where it's always going to be in front of you. It's always going to be ahead. That way you know I am always ahead of you. As you journey through all this unknown, and it would have been unknown. Remember, they were slaves of Egypt for 400 years. All they had ever seen was the boundary lines of Egypt. This was new land new territory. They didn't know it. They didn't know what was around the bend. They didn't know what was over the next rise. It was all unfamiliar, all unknown. But God said, you will always see the pillar of cloud, which represents my presence, knowing I'm always ahead of you. And at night, you don't have to fear the darkness because the darkness will shine like light before you. It's always going to be there, this pillar of fire. Showing you I'm ahead of you. I'm ahead of you in the day. I'm ahead of you in the night. I'm ahead of you when it's bright and everything's clear. I'm ahead of you when it's dark. My friend, my friend, the same is true for you today. If you are in Christ Jesus, when everything's clear and bright and going great, God is ahead of you in that. He's calling you forward, calling you on. When that changes and Things just seem dark around you. Things don't seem very clear. Things don't seem bright. God is ahead of you still. There will always be a pillar of fire lighting your way, a pillar of cloud during the day. God is always ahead of you, just as he was for the nation of Israel. Verse 22 says this, And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. God never removed his presence from the people. God never stopped being in front of the people, guiding them and leading them on. And there will never be a time, child of God, where you will be able to say, where is God? There will never be a time where you are able to ask that question. Where is God? I don't see him. I I know he's not in front of me anymore. That will never be able to be said by you, those of you who are in Christ. He will always, always be ahead of you. What that means for us is a constant reality and a constant truth, and that's this. All that is unknown to you, all that is unknown to you, and granted there's a lot, there's a lot that is unknown to all of us. It's not very much that we can absolutely say, I know this is how this is going to go or how this is going to be. There's a lot that's unknown throughout our life. But all that is unknown to you is known and directed by a perfect God. All that is unknown to you is known and directed by a perfect God. Isn't that good news for you today? I'm so thankful for that. I need that in my life. I need that assurance. I need that certainty. In, in a very uncertain world, in a very uncertain new year, who knows what's lying ahead of, that, of us uh, uh, for that, you know? Who, who knows what's, what's in store? We don't know, but we have a perfect God who does. And not only does he know everything that's in store, not only does he know everything that's ahead, he's also directed it. He's organized it. He's designed a path for us. And it's a beautiful path. In all that is uncertain, He provides certainty. Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know, we know, we don't just think, we don't just hope. We know, we have assurance that God causes everything, everything to work together together. For the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We saw that on display with the nation of Israel. They probably didn't understand why they weren't just going straight through. They didn't understand why they were being taken round about. But God had a plan. He was telling them, all things are going to work together. Trust me. I'm a good, good father. Trust me. Rest in me. Rely on my plan for your life. It may not make sense to you all the time. You may not understand every aspect of it, but it will work together for your good. And the same thing is true for you and me today. In all that we face, in all that we experience, we know that there is a God who nothing is unknown to, and everything is directed by. For our good and for His glory. That's always the way He operates. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says this, For I know, this is God speaking, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Not just, I, I, I think I might have some good plans in store for you. We'll wait and see. Maybe it'll work out. No, He said, I know. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And then He tells us, He tells us what those plans are like. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. That's good news, church. That's a good, good father there on display. So many people are facing so much hardship right now, so much pain, so much question. We've got a dear family in our church, the Farnsworths, Justin and Alicia. Alicia has had surgery on her eye, glaucoma. She has another surgery in four weeks. This morning, she returned to the hospital because she has infection now in the site where they operated. It's a dangerous thing. Right now, they are saying, why, God? Where, where are you? Why are you allowing this, this trial, one trial after another, Now, Alicia and Justin absolutely believe in the goodness and the sovereignty of God, so they're still trusting, but I guarantee you they're struggling in that trust. Would you be praying for them, church? Would you please be praying for Alicia and Justin and their family and for God's healing hand to be on them? But you know what? Even in that, even right now, they're up at Raleigh General. Even right now, God has plans. For Alicia and Justin. And their plans of good, not of disaster. Their plans of a hope and a future. And there's many who have a much more serious diagnosis or prognosis than even that. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's those close to you. Maybe it's you yourself. God is still saying to you, if if you'll just listen, I know. I know the plans that I have for you. It may seem like everything's come down on you. It may seem like there's nothing but darkness. But I know the plans I have for you. They're plans of good, not of evil. They're plans to give you a hope and a future. Maybe you've been under the weight of a particular sin or a particular struggle, addiction, or, or something similar. And you're, you, you just don't see the way forward. You don't see the way out. Maybe it's depression that just won't leave you alone. And you're looking around and, and it's hard for you to see anything but darkness around you. But if you're in Christ, if, you will, if you'll just listen. God is saying to you, my child, my child, look and see. There's a pillar of fire by night. There's a pillar of cloud by day. I know the plans I have for you. This is not the end. There are plans prosper you and not to harm you to give you a future and a hope and it may be a roundabout way of getting to that promised land but he's going to get you there he's going to get you there and he's going to prepare you and work on you and grow you and change you and transform you into exactly what he knows you need to be and wants you to be that glorious beautiful perfect image of his son I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. What that means for us, what we need to do every day, every moment, is choose to remember something. We need to remember that whatever lies in our path, remember whatever lies in your path, had to go through God to get to you. You need to remember that. That whatever lies in your path, whatever that may be big, small, hard, good, whatever it is, whatever lies in your path had to go through God to get to you. Deuteronomy 31 8 says this, it's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. Isn't that awesome? Do not be afraid or discouraged which we're all prone to do that comes naturally to us. I know I understand it happens to me too, but but we are told in God's word right here from the Lord God himself, "Do not be afraid or discouraged." Why? Why why shouldn't we be? Why don't we why can we not why can we choose not to be? The answer is for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. That's comfort. That's encouragement. That's hope. Not only does the Lord personally go ahead of you, but He is right there with you and me. So He's, he's ahead of you and me in all that we go through and all that we experience and all that we're going to face. We can know God is ahead of us in that, but He's also right there beside us. Holding our hand as we go forward. Just like you do with your small children or your grandchildren. When, you know, when they're just learning to walk and they're not, they're not too stable yet. So when they walk, you reach out as a good parent and you hold their hand. So that if they fall, you pick them right back up. And you keep them going forward. That is exactly what God does for us, Christian you're in Christ, you have the promise of God not only ahead of you in every situation, and in every circumstance, but also right there with you, holding you up if you fall. And fall we will. And fall we do. But he is right there the whole time saying, it's okay. It's okay. I got you. I got you. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Um, this verse came to mean more to me than it ever did two years ago when, when I lost my mother. I lost my mother to pancreatic cancer. I say lost. I, I didn't lose her. I know where she is. She's with the good, good father. That doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. That doesn't mean it doesn't still feel like part of my heart is ripped out of me. It doesn't mean that every holiday and special time is not excruciating. It doesn't mean that I didn't have incredible amounts of anger and even rage toward God when all this was happening. It doesn't mean that because I did. I had so much anger. I didn't just question God. I accused him of being unfair of being harsh, of being not the God he promised to be. But in that, in his grace and his mercy, in the fact that he has very broad shoulders and he can take what we shout at him, look at David in the Psalms, he very gently, very graciously, lovingly ministered to me and he asked me a question. He said, what are you really trusting in, Chris? What is your faith in me really based on? What does it depend on? Is it on everything going great for you? Is it on everything being exactly how you think it should go and how you want it to be? Is it, is it all of your, your picture of how life should go? Is that, is that what your faith in me depends on? As long as I come through and I deliver on, on your picture of life, then you trust in me. But the moment it varies from your, your pattern, the moment it changes from what you have built and designed for your life, you you don't see me as good? Really? Is that how it works? I'm only good so long as things go really great for you? And I I had to wrestle with that for a while. I had to actually get really honest with myself. And I had to answer that in many ways, yeah. My trust in God's goodness was very much dependent on things going great for me all the time. And that hurt. That was a tough admission. But it was an admission I had to make and a place I had to come to. And when I admitted that, when I came to that place, this verse was like a banner over my mind and over my heart. And I realized what this was saying, that God, if He truly is personally ahead of me, that means any and all circumstance, any and all situation, not just the good stuff, not just the sunshiny days, but the hurricane force winds of darkness, He is ahead of me there too. And if God is perfect, then He must always be good. To be anything other than good means he would cease to be God. Because God can only be good all the time. That doesn't mean it always is going to match the way we define goodness. We need to remember that he tells us very clearly, My ways are not your ways. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. So his perspective isn't going to always match ours. And when it doesn't match, it's not his fault. It means we need to align our perspective with his. And with all that being true, what the Holy Spirit ministered to me, and I hope He ministers to you right now and after this day, long into this new year, is this. If God, the perfect God, the good, good Father, is ahead of you always in every situation, that means if something comes into your life, if something comes along your way, anything that comes along your way, it had to go through Him first. And if it came to you after going through Him, then it means He is going to allow it and use it for your good and for His glory. It always happens that way. And you can trust that. You can trust Him. You can rest in Him. He's the only one that can promise and deliver on the promise to always work all things together for your good and to always be ahead of you and not let anything through that's not part of his plan for you. You can trust and rest in this God. Isaiah 43.2 says this, When you go through deep waters, not if, if you might possibly Go through deep waters, it may happen. No, it says, when, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, when, not if, when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, too many of you here today can say, yeah, I'm feeling the fires of oppression for sure. Take heart, take courage, take comfort. Look at what it says. You will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Fear and discouragement, oh, so often our default reaction, so often our experience. And when that happens, it cripples us, it handicaps us, it robs us of our joy, it robs us of our passion for the gospel. It's what the enemy really loves to do. Throw that at us, fear, discouragement, doubt. But the good news, the the really, really good news is again, not only is God before us, but in every situation, he's right there with us. So that if we fall, he catches us and he picks us up and he cleans us off and he says, let's keep going, let's keep going, go forward. I've got this. I've got you. The Christian life was never promised to be a life full of ease and comfort and no difficulty and no trouble. In fact, the promise was exactly the opposite, that the Christian life, while the best life you can have here in this life and onward, forward into eternity, while it is the absolute Best and the only true source of life. While that's true, it is also, in many ways, the hardest life you can live here in this life and on this earth. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will suffer. It's going to happen. Here in Isaiah, God, God says, I'm letting you know. I'm not going to leave anything you know, to, to chance or to guesswork here. I want to let you know how this is going to be in this life. You are going to go through deep waters. You are going to go through rivers of difficulty. You are going to walk through fires of oppression. It's going to happen. But guess what in all of that? I'm with you. I'm ahead of you. And I have overcome all of it. That's the promise of God. Therefore, therefore, in light of all of this, because all of this is true the command that God gave Joshua as he took over for Moses, as they were getting ready to truly enter the promised land and conquer it, as he was unsure of himself, taking over the place of Moses leading the the nation of Israel, who was in the millions, not exactly the easiest people to lead either, as he was looking at the, the great walls of the cities around him that he was told to go take, as he said, how can I lead this great host? I am just a child. God gave him this command, this charge, this challenge, and this promise. And it's the same for you and me today. Hear this word to Joshua from God and hear it as God's word to you today. Joshua 1.9, God speaking. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? How? How? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That is how we can go forward, Christian. Church, that's how, that's how we can go forward in face 2017 with true joy, with true hope, with true purpose. Because it doesn't depend on circumstance or situation or human government or human relationships. It doesn't depend on finances. The way we can go forward, the the way we can have courage, the way we can have hope, the way we can have rest, the way we can have joy as we look ahead and face all that is uncertain to us is because it is not uncertain to a perfect God. It's because He knows, He directs, He has our best at heart, and He is ahead of us in all of His might and all of His glory. And He won't let anything come down our path that He has not allowed and that he will not use for our betterment and for his glory. Do you believe that this morning? Let's pray. 2016, maybe it was great for you, maybe it wasn't. But again, regardless of how it went for you, there is a perfect God who loves you more than any Anyone can imagine or fathom. He loves you more than you can know. He loves me more than I can know. And in that love, he has perfect plans for you and for me. And in all that we face, he is ahead of us already. I mean, our, our tomorrows are already his now. He's already there. Do you know this perfect God? God. Do you know this good, good father? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ, his son, so that you can call his father your father? Do you know him? Are you in Christ today? Have you given your life to the one who gave his life for you? The only way you can face 2017 with any certainty, with any hope, is found in Jesus Christ alone. He's it. It's not found in anywhere else or anyone else. If you're here this morning, what better way to start off 2017 than with new life in Christ, new birth? What better way of beginning your new year than to begin it with the God who has perfect plans for you? Is there anyone here that would say, I'm not a Christian today, I've not given my life to Jesus Christ, He's not my Savior and my Lord, but man, I want to know this God. I want to face 2017 with joy and with hope and with certainty that God has got this and God has got me. I want Jesus to be my Savior. I want Him to be my Lord and direct my life. Is there anyone who would say, that's me? Anybody at all? Anyone? Okay. And my, my brother and sister in Christ, I'm going to pray for all of us in a minute. But please know that this is a daily decision. This, this is a constant minute-by-minute minute choice to surrender your fear and your anxiety and your doubt and your discouragement and to choose to believe every minute that the Lord himself does go before you, that he is ahead of you and he is with you. To believe, to believe every minute that there is a God who knows his plans for you and they are plans of good and not of evil. Plans to give you a hope and a future that there is a God who promised to work all things out together for your good and for his glory because you are called according to his purpose. You've got to choose to believe that every single minute of every single day. And I do too. And let's help each other with that as we go forward. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this time today. Thank you for, thank you for baptism and, and the evidence of new life. Thank you for our brother Chris, and I pray that you would strengthen him and and lead him on in his new life and new journey with you. Help us to be a church that rallies around him with, with love and support and encouragement, and may we be used of you to help in his growth and all those who are new in Christ among us. Father, if there are any who are here today that did not raise their hand but yet are truly lost outside of Christ today, please work in their heart by your Spirit. And before this day is over, bring them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Bring them to life out of death. Father, for all of us who do know your Son, we are in Christ and we are therefore your child. Father, I pray for us by the power of your Spirit that we would choose every minute of every day to believe that we have a good, good Father who is very much ahead of us. But also with us. And that we will never be able to ask... Where has God gone? Because you will never leave us or forsake us. And you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you for that truth. God, please keep us mindful of that. Keep us recalling and remembering that. And keep us applying that truth to everyday life, I pray. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for all you are and all you've done. Thank you for all you will do. And it's in Jesus' matchless name that I pray. Amen.